peak at anniversaries. <laughs> so here I'm doing the 30th anniversary for um, this church. Well, not this church. Well, this, this church by extension, but uh, Liberty in Johannesburg. And uh, I'll be doing the 40th for King of Kings in Israel. So I must be really old. By the way, if you notice that I'm counterculture, I'm not wearing surfing gear. I don't conform. You guys are all conformists. I don't have any rips in my jeans. Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dressed like a North American banker. The fact is that Kathy and I, we travel three, four, five weeks at a time with carry-ons. That's all we, that's all we take with us is a carry-on. We don't want to lose our furniture. Our furniture. We don't want to lose our luggage. We don't want to wait for luggage to come down the uh, luggage thing, whatever you call that. And so we um, we pack for three days. Yeah, three days works beautifully. But the fact of the matter is, this is the only jacket I brought. Okay. <laughs> so. Some of you have been serving the Lord for a few years. Some of you are brand new. You get all these messages from all these preachers. And you suffer from performance anxiety. Right? I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not spiritual enough. Uh, I need another how-to manual on how to be a Christian. It's downright confusing, right? It is. You, 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 you go on the internet, you watch television, whatever, you hear these preachers, some of them are telling you you don't have enough faith, if you had enough faith, you'd be rich, you know? Others are telling you if you had enough faith, you'd be healthy. Others are saying if you had enough faith, you'd be doing a great work for God out there. And, and, and they all have their, their methods and their systems and their jargon and their niche language. It's confusing. So how do I fit into this? I mean, what, what is the bottom line? Surely there's got to be some norms. There's got to be something sustainable. I'm, you know, I'm really tired of all these anxious Christians who aren't performing, they think. So there's these how-to sermons and these inner healing sermons. It's egocentric. It's all about us. Is there a bottom line? Well, when I was pastoring in Jerusalem for those seven years, every flake in Christendom came through town. Every weirdo, wacko Christian, every charismaniac, a charismatic. <laughs> and because, you know, the church we planted became the biggest church in the country, still is, they all wanted a, a piece of my pulpit. Or they wanted my endorsement. If they could go to some of the small congregations and say, Candelon has endorsed me, then they had the good housekeeping seal of approval, you know. And for the first couple years, I was nice to these people. Then I had an epiphany. Nice is not a fruit of the spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> I started being hard on these people. 
The classic for me was a guy who came through town in 1984-85. 88, re he's written a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. He was convinced. But he wanted to preach it in our church. And he wanted my endorsement. I, I wasn't nice to him. I said, how is it you know Jesus is coming back in 1988? Jesus himself doesn't know when he's coming back. At least that's what he said. Only the Father knows, he says. Only the Father knows. So you know. Well, the Lord has given me a revelation. Spare me. Spare me. You know, the Lord gives you a revelation. Who's going to hold you accountable? You can claim anything you want to claim. You know, and, and you get that spiritual look. The Lord has given me a revelation. Well, the Lord has given me heartburn. <laughs> really. You know, one thing, I mean, I, I, I'm a fourth-generation Pentecostal preacher. My great-grandfather in 1911 entered the ministry. All my great-uncles, my grandfather, all my uncles, my dad, all preachers, church planters, missionaries, Catalans have been there, done that, okay? We have a sense for the authentic. And we have very little patience, at least I do, for the super spiritual. So, if you think being a normative Christian is being super spiritual, I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. You don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to be walking around with your eyes to heaven all of the time. And Jesus is beside me all the time. He's my friend all the time. You know, all this, it's almost like Jesus is Santa Claus. Really. What's the bottom line? I remember this gal from Texas showed up at her door one time in Jerusalem. Knocked on the door, wanted to stay with us for a few days. No way, Jose. You're not coming in. I, you could be an axe murderer for all I know. Oh, but pastor, the Lord has called me to Jerusalem. Oh, really? How's that? Well, yeah, now, you know, some Texans have an accent. Not all Texans do. Our daughter is in Texas. She doesn't have an accent. You know, pastor, I was walking home the other day, and my daughter's teddy bear was on the sidewalk. And you know what, Pastor? The teddy bear spoke to me <laughs> and said, get thee to Jerusalem. I didn't know teddy bears spoke with Old English, but apparently they do. <laughs> get thee to Jerusalem. It's like a form of spiritual illness. Well, I'd had enough with these flicks. And enough with these guys with their eschatological prophetic insights and their agendas and their charts and their books. I decided I would study every passage in the Old Testament that was prophetic in nature. Everyone. Now, prophecy, we think of prophecy as foretelling, right? We think of it as future telling. Prophecy might be a third foretelling. It's two-thirds fourth telling. 
It's speaking the word of the Lord to the current situation and correcting things. Now, you know this from your Bible reading. You read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, correction, correction, correction. Amos, the, 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 the 12 minor prophets, correction, correction, correction. <coughs> it took me a year. I went through every path. You know, there's, there's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. There's the minor prophets. There are Psalms that are prophetic. Occasionally, there's a sentence here and there, a paragraph here and there that's prophetic. But I discovered that there is a bottom line to Old Testament prophecy. And it's the call of God to the people of God back to right relationship with him and right relationship with neighbor, full stop. And this vertical relationship is defined as righteousness. The horizontal relationship is defined as justice. Righteousness, justice, full stop. Now, I do uh, a three-hour seminar on this, so, you know, I'm just going to touch a few highlights with you, and I'm going to go over time, too. I'm just warning you right now. I'm not going to have Ozzy playing music to tell me I'm done, okay? <laughs> I've, come, I've come all the way from Toronto, Canada, all right? Spare me. Let me speak, okay? <laughs> Abraham is called the father of the faithful. In the early days, he was known as Abram, okay? Genesis 18. I'll, just let me read it for you. You can read along if you like, but... There's so many different versions out there. Sometimes I wonder if we're reading the same passage. Then the Lord appeared to him, Abram, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought. Wash your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree. I'll bring a morsel of bread, which you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So I'll skip forward a bit. Abraham goes to Sarah. It's, this is not a morsel of bread. He says, kill a goat, you know, prepare some bread. It's going to be a major deal. And, you know, hospitality is huge in the desert culture, still is. This would be an all-day event. And he's sitting under the shade of the tree with these three guys. I mean, you know, he was lonely. And these were pretty special guys. He picked it up real quick. Anyway, picking it up towards the end of the day. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, now, you notice something when you're reading this passage. Sometimes it's three guys and it's they and them. Sometimes it's he, you, I. Sometimes it's plural, sometimes it's singular. And Bible commentators have all looked at this, as, a, as have I, and really wonder if this isn't a representation of Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, could be. Sometimes referred to as the Lord. These three guys are the Lord. Okay? You, when you read this for yourself, you'll see that, Genesis 18. Anyway, the men rose, looked towards Sodom, and the Lord, singular, said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? 
since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. He's talking about a guy who doesn't have one kid, okay, who's um, 90 years old. Now, here's, here's the kicker. For I have known him in order that he may command his children, hello, and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, that they keep the way of the Lord. Here is the bottom line. That they keep the way, what is the way of the Lord? To do righteousness and justice. The way of the Lord is righteousness and justice. The way of the Lord is not this or that denomination. Okay. The way of the Lord is not a surf-friendly church or a stiff Baptist church. The way of the Lord is not some kind of charismatic frivolity. The way of the Lord is not Pentecost. The way of the Lord is not evangelicalism. The way of the Lord is not Anglicanism. The way of the Lord is not do this and you'll succeed with God-ism. The way of the Lord is righteousness and justice. These are two things we can grip. Whether we're emotional or not emotional. Whether we dance or we don't dance. Whether we jump or we don't jump. I told uh, Liberty in, jo in Johannesburg, I, I discovered there there's a new gift of the spirit called jumping. You know, while they're jumping. I I've reached the age now where if I jump, I fall over. Okay? So I don't jump. Style is not the issue. Style is not the issue. Substance is the issue. Okay? And what is the substance? Righteousness and justice. And interestingly, in the Hebrew, righteousness refers to the fulfillment of relationship with God. Justice refers to the fulfillment of relationship with neighbor. Full stop. Now I've got a lot of scriptures here. Let me read some of them. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the earth. And Jerusalem will be called by the Lord our righteousness. Referring to Jesus. Okay? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, O God. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. He's shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And for those who think that heaven is especially linked to a certain worship style. Okay, are you ready for getting nailed between the eyes here right now? This is the word. This is not, mind you, I am a little in your face. I admit it. I, I'm more Israeli than not. And uh, in Israel, the style is this, okay? You get two Jews together, you got three opinions. They tell you that. So here you are having a great time at House of Lord, okay? Wow. God is here. He's moving. The music, the, the, every, the preaching, the, 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 the culture, the, 
Everything is great. Oh, hallelujah. This is, this is, this is the house of God. I hate you. I despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Take away from me the noise of your songs. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. You do not con heaven with your enthusiasm. I'm sorry, you just don't. There are all kinds of churches who are built on enthusiasm. We all like to be enthusiastic. I don't know how many liked seeing France beat New Zealand last night. But there was a lot of enthusiasm, both pro and con. I mean, we revel in enthusiasm. That's why we love sports so much. It's all enthusiasm, right? We get all excited. We shout, we scream, we jump. It's like a charismatic church service. Amos is, Amos is deadly. That was Amos 5 I quoted. And there's so many other passages like this. It's not enough to say you're in love with Jesus. Really? How are you doing with righteousness and justice? How's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with your neighbor? What do they think of you? If this church were to disappear tomorrow, would anybody care? Josiah, King Josiah, did righteousness and justice. He judged the cause of the poor and the needy. Is this not what it is to know me, says the Lord? Whoa. Job, I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes for the blind. I was feet for the lame. I was a father to the poor. Authentic Christianity is not verbal. Really. We can say what we want to say. proof of the pudding is in the eating. How do you live? What are your values? You come to a service like this, you raise your hands, you jump. Do you raise your hands and jump in private? Seriously. I mean, really. Or is this just kind of learned behavior? Is this some, some kind of a, a social dynamic going on here? Okay. Is this, is this another rugby game? Yay, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Really? Oh. You go home and you beat your wife. You abuse your kids. You cheat the government. You're nasty to your neighbor. I know, I sound like an old cynical pastor. But you have to be kind to me. I've been doing this for 53 years, okay? I know I don't look that old. 
Kathy certainly doesn't look that old. Kathy and I have been married for 53 years. Can you believe it? People see Kath with me and they figure that she's my daughter. Or they think she's my second wife or I'm really rich. What is God's priority? Here's God's priority. Don't make a note of this. Let it burn into your brain and never forget it. Right now. He is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows in his holy habitation. That's his priority. The weakest link is God's priority. The least of these, as Jesus put it, is God's priority. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Have you ever thought of being, of God being in your debt? What did the Jerusalem Council say to Paul when they're sending him out to the Gentile world? Don't forget the poor. You see, we have this Protestant work ethic that says people are poor because they're lazy. Right? If, 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 they, if they had more initiative, if they, if they had more of a work ethic, they wouldn't be poor. And so I, I, even in thinking that, we're judging them. We're putting them down. We don't know that there's a whole history there of poverty in their lives. Going back generation upon generation. They have no hope. They have no vision. They have no horizon. They've never known hope. Jesus said, so you'll always have the poor with you. They're not poor because they're lazy friends. And when you get right down to it, most of us in this room are just one paycheck away from poverty. Right? So back off. Be kind to the poor. Kathy always bugs me because when we're at a restaurant, I always want to give a huge tip. She's a Jim. And I say to her, you know what? She's probably a single mom. She's working three jobs. She's got four kids at home. She has no husband. And she needs this money more than I do. Be kind to the poor. Father to the fatherless. Defender of widows. This is why for the last 23 years, Kath and I have been working in sub-Saharan Africa with orphans and widows impacted by HIV and AIDS. We started a federal charity, an international charity, 23, uh, 24 years ago. And uh, we started with nothing. I was pastoring a really big church, and the Lord made it very clear to me we needed to be a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows, because HIV and AIDS at that time was the biggest orphan and widow maker in the history of mankind. And the Lord impacted me with a message. You've got to call the church to account. The church needs to care for these orphans and widows. They claim to be children of God. They're not acting like children of God. They're walking past orphans and widows all the time to the little churches in the rural areas of Africa. 
They're jumping and screaming in the house of the Lord and ignoring the orphan and the widow who are within earshot of their praise service. Don't know their names. They don't care. They walk around them. Like the parable of the Good Samaritan. Oh, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to look at that poor guy. Oh, that's ter terrible. So, so sorry. Carry on. We all think we know what the sin of Sodom was. This was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She was arrogant, overfed, unconcerned for the poor. They did not help the poor and needy. Their sexual dysfunction was only a symptom of their self-absorption. You hear me? Their sexual dysfunction was merely a symptom of their self-absorption. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. Solomon says in Proverbs. Repeat what? He, oh. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his neighbor. That's uh, Proverbs 14.31, if you want to check it out. Let it be said of us what the Lord said of Hosea. In you, the fatherless finds mercy. The Lord of hosts shall be exalted in justice, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. Let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For I delight, says the Lord, for in these I delight, says the Lord, for I, the Lord, love justice. And if we ignore this stuff, there's a downside. Isaiah captures it. So those who walk the way of unrighteousness and injustice, God will stretch out the measuring line of chaos and the plumb line of desolation. How many families do you know are chaotic and desolate right now? How many lives do you know are chaotic and desolate right now? Maybe you were once chaotic and desolate. Maybe you are right now. You need to discover the saving influence of right relationship with God and right relationship with neighbor. You got to stop living for yourself. You live for yourself, it's a downward spiral. It is. You live for yourself, it's subject to the law of diminishing returns. You know, there's only so much sexual pleasure a person can handle. Only so much food a person can eat. Only so many clothes a person can wear. 
Owning so many cars, a person can drive. How many houses a person can live in? Well, what's your problem? Bigger, 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 more and more and more. All it does is exaggerate and exacerbate your loneliness. You're alone. There's no comfort in a car. I love cars. There's no comfort in a motorcycle. I love my motorcycle. But there's no comfort there. The only real pleasure in life, ultimately, is pleasure in our Father in heaven who loves us with an everlasting love. And we know he loves us and we know one day we're going to be in his arms. Okay? That's real pleasure. So in a sense, I'm deferring my pleasure. I mean, I, I enjoy life. I have a lot of fun. I'll tell you, being with DJ and Stu, I almost need to get saved again. He's, these guys are such a bad influence on my life. <laughs> I had one, you know, I've been preaching righteousness and justice for 53 years, okay? I, I, you can tell. This is my passion. This is my heart, okay? I preach other topics all the time, but... I had a, a, someone uh, accost me one time after hearing me preach my blunt sermon. You certainly aren't representing the heart of Jesus, Pastor Jim. He was all about love, and all, you, all you're doing is, 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 is ruining things. I said, well, it's not me. It's the scripture. Hello? And this is all about Jesus. What did Isaiah say about Israel's coming Messiah? Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring justice to the nations. A bruised reed he will not break. Smoking flax he will not quench. He will not fail nor be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth. We think Jesus' mandate was to get everybody saved. Jesus' mandate was to bring justice to the earth. See, that's the thing. When you get in right relationship with God, before you know it, you're in right relationship with neighbor. You cannot be untrue to your neighbor and be true to God at the same time. You can't have one without the other. So the Lord comes into your heart, saves you from your sin, saves you from your desolation and your chaos. And the next thing you know, you're trying to deal with the suffering, the desolation, and the chaos in your neighbor's life. That's how it works. It's not because you're a do-gooder. I'm really tired of do-gooders, you know. Hearts bleeding for everything from, well, I'm not going to offend anybody, but you know what I'm talking about. No, no, I'm not going to do it. I, I've, been, I've been around long enough to, 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 to know wisdom. Yes. A young lawyer approaches Jesus on one occasion after hearing him teach. 
basically he asked him the question. What's at the bottom line? What is it that God expects of me? Jesus' response is classic. First of all, he says, Shema Israel Adonai Elohinu Adonai Echad. Now, I am a Pentecostal. That is not tongues. That's Hebrew. Okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God. In a polytheistic culture, that's a, a raging message. One God. And, are you ready for it? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second as I come to it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? All along the prophets are there. No commandment greater than these. Do this and you will live. Righteousness and justice. Jesus hit the sweet spot of Old Testament prophecy. The sweet spot of what God expects of you and me. He's not looking for style. He's looking for substance. looked at some of the Pharisees who were constantly making a big deal about praying publicly. He talked about the Gentiles who were praying long prayers. He says, you know what, guys? They think they'll be hurt for their much speaking. As if, you know, heaven finally gets tired of all the talk and said, let's do something. Shut them up. You like that, eh? <laughs> I like it too. Ecclesiastes is a powerful word for people who think they'll be heard for their much speaking. God is in heaven, you're on earth, let your words be few. He knows what you need before you ask him. This is why I love praying in tongues. Because praying in tongues is the only prayer I ever pray that has no agenda. It's the Spirit speaking to the Spirit. I love it. You need to practice it. And none of this bubbly garble stuff. You know, tongues is real language. It's not some kind of Come on. Tongues is a language. It has sentences, it has verbs, it has adverbs, it has adjectives, it has nouns, it has syntax, it has periods, it has flow. It's not something you do in ecstasy, it's something you do intentionally with your heart and your soul and your mind. You don't have to wait for some powerful manifestation to come upon you. That's, that's misleading. That only adds to your performance anxiety. I, I've known all these people through years of Pentecostal ministry. Pastor, I've been seeking the baptism of the Spirit for 40 years. As if this is some kind of an accomplishment. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying righteousness and justice are fulfilled by love for God, by love for neighbor, engaging the intellect, the emotion, and the will. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Heart, emotion. Soul and mind in the Jewish context is understanding. Strength, willpower. You love God by what you think, 
by what you feel and by what you do. What you do. We all know that love is a, or, um, love can be very emotional, and um, everybody loves being in love, right? I mean, isn't it amazing? I've been listening to pop songs since I was a kid, and the lyrical content is always the same. It's always unrequited love, or I've just lost the love of my life, or I longed, you know, last Christmas I gave you my heart. <laughs> very next day, you gave it away. And she's the top singer in the world, Taylor Swift. Oh, you gave, I gave you my heart. And this is where us preachers need to discipline ourselves to present Jesus as more than a heart decision. Okay? Because heart things come and go. It's great to feel good about the Lord. Absolutely. But there's far more to it than that. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship in the Greek, and be not conformed to this world, and wear surfing gear all the time, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can prove the will of God. But this is where people, again, the performance anxiety thing kicks in. Oh, pastor, I just want the perfect will of God. Yikes. You do? How's that going to work with you? Because you're imperfect. You're going to distort the will of God. So am I. Oh, but you know, I don't want to make a mistake. You know, spiritual perfectionism is an idolatry. You don't want to make a mistake. No, I just want. So I'm really praying about God's will in my life. Hello? There's this thing called the Bible. God's will in your life is right here. I've got to pray about this. You know, pray, praying about stuff sometimes is a way of avoiding the issue. I'm going to pray about this. Oh, good. How long of a sentence do you need to pray to bring up a request? People say, I've been praying all day. Really? You're like a broken record. Praying all day. Wow, that's interesting. I've never done that. How's that work? You know, for some people, the will of God is like a ship in the dock. And they're loading that ship with every contingency under the sun. Another course, another book, another degree, another this, another that. You know, another all-night prayer meeting. They're loading that boat with so much stuff, it's sinking at the dock. I say, get in the boat and start sailing somewhere. And you say, well, I don't want to sail in the wrong direction, Pastor. Well, that sounds so holy. I say, get in the boat, sail in the wrong direction. If you sail in the wrong direction, God can make a mid-course correction, but he can't do a blessed thing with a ship that's not moving. Come on. 
He's laughing in the spirit. <laughs> Build the bridge and get over it, will you? Come on. What's with all this victim talk? All of this I'm suffering for Jesus talk. All of this, oh, I can't cope with life talk. Spare me. He is our father. He has given his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. He will never leave us nor forsake us. I know I sound like a father speaking to his kids, but unfortunately that's what I am. <laughs> they introduced me at Liberty and Joburg as uh, <laughs> Liberty Church's grandfather. I, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> We're about to go to Malawi, and in Malawi they call me Bambo, Bambo Jim. Bambo means father or daddy. Kathy is Mama Kathy. In Zambia, they call us the father and the mother of the cowboy ministry. All I know, friends, is this. It has nothing to do with what we say. It has nothing to do with our style. It has everything to do, in Kathy's and my case, and it's not bragging, just simply the truth, 53 years of obediently following the Lord. Okay? And, and obedience to the Father creates its own momentum. The door is open. Doors you didn't expect, you go through them. You don't know where they're leading, but you go through them in obedience. And uh, you get to be 75 years of age, which I am. I'll be 76 in two weeks. Yeah. Thank you. And I say, whoa, how did this happen? How does the Lord grow a mighty oak tree? One ring at a time. One ring at a time. Slowly, slowly, increment by increment. And it takes a lifetime, friends. And I'll tell you very honestly, after being a Christian now since I was five years of age, and serving the Lord in ministry for 53 years, full time, I know less about the Lord today than I've ever known in my life. Too soon old, too late smart. I feel like I'm on this massive adventure, growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay. So don't come to me with your trite little aphorisms and your blandishments and your little truisms about following Jesus. Following Jesus. Is not verbal. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Righteousness and justice. In 50 seconds, I'll be five minutes over time, which is what I planned. African friends in Zambia and Malawi, they listen to me because I'm old, because I'm bigger than they are, because I'm bald, because I have white hair on my face, 
and they call me the bishop from Jerusalem, which I'm not, but that gives me authority with them. They listen to me. But you know what? I listen to them. Catherine and I work with people who have absolutely nothing. They don't know if they'll have any food tomorrow. They don't know where their husband has gone or the guy who impregnated them. They don't know if their little kids are ever going to get any medical attention. And they sing and they declare the wonders of the Lord. They talk about the faithfulness of God. And any little provision that comes their way, they, they dance. Now, this is real dancing. This is not just up and down stuff. This is real dancing. This is moving and grooving, okay? These people know how to dance. They have nothing, and they dance the glories of God. Time and again, Kath and I say, we don't know who's ministering to who here. Proper English. We don't know who's ministering to whom here. What a day is coming, friends, when we all stand before him. Many of the widows who had only two mites to give will be giants on the other side. And those of us who think we're giants on this side might find ourselves humbled by the real giants who are there. Do you love the Lord with your intellect, your emotion, and your will? Do you love your neighbor with your intellect, your emotion, and your will? And final word, and this will be Julie's territory. We often miss this. I'm going more than five minutes. I'm sorry about that. As you love yourself, as you love yourself, as you love yourself, it's very fashionable not to love ourselves, right? To be disgusted with ourselves, to be upset with ourselves, to feel inferiority, okay? As if this is the human condition. You don't need to feel that way about yourself. If you love yourself with how you think, with how you feel, and with what you do. And I could go on a, I could go on a whole sermon here right now about things you can do that are loving for yourself. There's nothing selfish about this. It's a part of the equation. It's of no value to the Lord if people who hate themselves love him. I mean, really. Oh, Lord, you're so wonderful. I'm so horrible. You're so gracious. I'm so ungracious. No. No. You've been created in his image with intellect, emotion, and will. You've been invested with his spirit. He has breathed his life into you. So what's up with hating yourself? It's almost like hating God. Start thinking kindly about yourself. Start feeling good about what you just did today. There was something positive I did today. And there's something positive I'll do tomorrow. I'm going to stem the tide of this negativity. And then I'm going to do good. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to care for the poor. I'm going to assist in the church. I'm going to look after my sick neighbor. 
even though he's a vile, profane guy and I hate him. Well, that's how I feel. But this is the thing. Love eclipses hate. Hate cannot stand when love is present. It's a weak enemy. We used to sing an old song when I was a kid. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. This is the Lord's story. It's not our story. Okay? He started this. His initiative. We didn't start this. He created us. And he loves us. So much. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and for contempt and all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the grace of Christ my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sure. Um, um, I can probably listen to you preach and speak this message the whole day. Because when I listen to it, it's something that stirs me uh, on the inside. And I don't need to preach the message again, but it is important for me as the leader of this house that I want to bring this home. Why? Because um, probably talking 30 years ago, uh, I grew up just over the hill or over the road here. And I was a kid that at the time I had a single mom. My mom married to my stepdad. And probably every single week, I remember the Friday would come and I would get anxious because I knew that my father-in-law would come home and he would be drinking. 
And I knew that there was going to be a fight. And I was a scared little boy that was just afraid of the weekend, of what was going to come. And Friday would come, and Friday night, my mom would be just abused and just like, it's just crazy. Saturday comes, Saturday night, the same thing. And then Sunday morning, she wakes me up at probably about 5 o'clock, puts me on her back, takes my guitar with a little amp, and takes me to the corner, and we would have open-air church on the corner. And this little boy would stand there broken and asking God, why, why is this happening? Like, why is this happening to me? And all we wanted to do is just serve the Lord. I was 10, I was literally, right? And Sunday afternoons was the same thing. I knew that when we came from church, this is going to happen again. Don't worry, I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere. And I remember Sunday after Sunday, I would wish that the men of God in our church would come to our house and just help my mom. And just stand up for my mom, stand for justice. But I couldn't find one man of God that would come to our house and stand for my mom. Not one man, not one man, not even the pastor of the church could come and stand for my mom. And it was a moment in my life where I needed justice. I needed somebody that was going to be my neighbor, that loved God, that's going to be my neighbor and come and stand in a gap for me. And you know what happened? Without me knowing, years and years and years, I didn't even know this. When I left Jeffrey's Bay to go to high school in Peton, I never used to come home. Jeff, uh, PE is 40 minutes away from Jeffrey's Bay. And I never used to come home on the weekends. And some of the weekends that I did come home, it was horrible leaving because my Sundays was about that. And I felt like my dad and my, my stepdad knew that I was going back to school in PE and he would do this on a Sunday, almost like to just spite me. And say, man, your mom is here and you're going to PE and I want you to know what, you, what I'm going to do to her. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. And years later, I left to Johannesburg and God started speaking to me about coming home to plant a church. Coming, coming back to Jeffrey's Bay. But I still couldn't understand why I never used to come home in those earlier days. And in 2016, if there's something that the Lord has called my wife for, is righteousness and justice. 2016, we landed here in Jeffreys Bay. We came and visited the one day. And we went to my aunt's house and we were sitting outside. And the next moment, something caught my attention. My wife was busy speaking to my aunt and she was speaking to the people in the neighborhood. And it's the dusty streets of Palsters. And then I saw Joshua and Amber playing in the streets. And it's almost like I had a bit of an outer body experience. And I was like, what is going, what's going on? What's going on here? I went to Main Beach, my kids ran onto the beach, they were just loving it, enjoying it, and I knew that something was wrong, because I wasn't experiencing and seeing the same joy that they were seeing of Jeffrey's Bay. Yet God called me to Jeffrey's Bay, yet I felt a calling that I needed to come back home, but something had to happen in my heart first before I came here, and I began to realize the trauma of yesterday is what kept me from Jeffrey's Bay. And there was some stuff in my heart that I needed to deal with Jeffrey's Bay. And in that season, that couple of weeks that we were here, the Lord began to heal my heart for Jeffrey's Bay. And I began to fall in love again with Jeffrey's Bay. And I began to see my wife and my kids playing in the streets and sitting with my mom. And there was a heart, there was something again burning on the inside of me for this place. 
And I thought for myself, how is it that this beautiful place, everybody comes here and says they love Jeffrey's Bay, that this kid that stayed here couldn't see? You see what the enemy does? You see what he does? And this is what I land on, I want to land on this morning, is that righteousness and justice is what I am all about. That's why, that's why I'm here. That's why we do what we do as a church. And I wanted to bring this home, and I want you to tell you, church, if you, and, and I, I want to speak to Wavepoint. I want to speak to Wavepoint Church. Wavepoint Church. This is not a message that we sit this morning and we listen and we tick it off the list as, oh, we had a great speaker in our church. This is our message. This is something that God has called us here to Jeffreys Bay. Hello, Wavepoint. Hello, Wavepoint. All right. And then here's the thing I felt the Lord was saying to me, Jim, as you were busy sharing and preaching, there was a lot of us sitting here listening to this message, and immediately what we're doing is we're pointing to the other side of town. And we say that what God wants to do and what God is requiring of me of justice and righteousness is for the other side of town. But could it be that sometimes when you think of the other side of town, that really your motivation is not really what the Word of God is saying that you need to do, that your motivation is that you just want to be a good person. And God is not asking for a good person to do what it is that He needs to do. He's asking for somebody that has the heart to do what it is that He needs to do. And my prayer for us as a church is Wavepoint, that God will give us a heart for Jeffrey's Bay. He'll give us a heart for the people of Jeffrey's Bay. That nobody has to psych us up. Nobody has to, you know, hey, you got to go. We would have a heart for the people of Jeffreys Bay. And that is not attached to just the church because we're here. It has to be you. God needs to give you a heart for this place. Amen. And then I want to speak to my brothers and sisters from the other side of town. Don't sit in a meeting like this and say that, well, they need to do that for me because I deserve it because of how I grew up and where I come from. Hello. If I could be an example to you, my brothers and sisters, I don't stay in Palshers anymore. And if you notice, I stay down the road. And God has called me not just for that side of town, He's called me for this side of town. And I want to encourage my brothers and my sisters from that side. It's time for us. This is our neighbor. Our neighbors are sitting, are staying this side. Your neighbors is sitting this side of town. And for, for our brothers and sisters from this side of town, your neighbor is there. Why? Because you're in right relationship with God, and therefore you can be in right relationship with your brother. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we pray real quick? I just want us to pray. Close your eyes where you're standing. I know that God is speaking to you. I know that your desire this morning is that you want to have a heart. God, give me, give me a heart. Give me a heart. Give me a heart. And God wants to do that. He wants to do that this morning. Jim. Can I ask you just come pray for us? Just release that over our church and our, our home. Hear my prayer, O oh Lord. Give ear to my supplication. In your faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. 
his loving kindness. He is my high tower. He is my deliverer. He is my shield. He is the one in whom I take refuge. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Bow down your heavens, O Lord. Come down. Shoot out your arrows. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue us and deliver us out of great waters. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings. I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy, good to all. All your works shall praise you, O Lord. Your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. We pray this over Jeffrey's Bay. Your word over Jeffrey's Bay. Not my word, your word. You've anointed your servant and his wife. You have made them a strong tower in this city. May their stature increase. May their influence grow. May they be light in the darkness. May they be a strong tower in a raging windstorm. May their lives, O oh Lord, redound to your glory. And I bless them and I bless this congregation now. Receive this blessing. I bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.